Welcome to Women Winning at Work podcast. My name is Barka Herman. I interview women with successful careers in tech. Please like and share this episode and podcast, and do reach out to me if you or someone you know would like to be featured on my podcast. The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Barka Herman. And now, without delay, please enjoy this episode. I have to uh, admit that I knew Michelle back when she was working at Microsoft. And Michelle and I were co-leads or, or helping with the technical women at Microsoft Learning Committee. So we met every week for a while. And I got to know Michelle during that time and absolutely love her. She's amazing. And uh, right now, Michelle is, what are you, is a digital transformation technical training program lead at Columbia Forest Products. With that, I'm going to allow Michelle to introduce herself. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I, I have to say, I'm, I take that as high praise coming from someone that I hold in high esteem. I, you are very inspirational and uh, determined deliberate, right? So quite an inspiration you've been to me. Thank you. Um, how would I introduce myself? Um, I'm a geek. I own that. I've, uh, a new co-worker said, I'm trying not to geek out too much. It's like, well, that's I do that on purpose. I'm very proud to say that, right? I um, always have been. Star Wars more than Star Trek for anyone who's tracking. <laughs> I recently moved to a new company, as you mentioned, Columbia Forest Products from Microsoft. I would have hit 20 years in June. Very proud of that, too. I miss my fellow Microsofties, but the opportunity to be a part of this initiative with Columbia was a little too hard to say no to. Some growing pains. It's been a while to, since I've been totally new. So there's the awkwardness of not having the, you know, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon connections anymore, right? It's who does that? Wait, what? I, let me write that down. Could you stop? Who was that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instead of take this down, you're going to want to meet these people, right? That's a bit of an adjustment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me, um, so, you know, I'm going to, um, I do have questions about everything that you mentioned. Great, great uh, input, but uh, let me go back a little bit. I'd love to hear your origin story. So, you know, again, I'm a comic book geek, and so all heroes have, and we're all heroines of our lives. So what was your origin story? What, how did you end up as a woman in technology at working at Microsoft for 20 years and then transitioning? So what, how did it all start? Well, I've always been interested in science, mostly life sciences. I've always preferred that to other fields. And I was uh, at a biology chemistry degree. I thought I was determined to go to medical school, but when you realize your neuroses prevent you from handling sick, naked people, right? <laughs> you change, right? You have to, to, to change. I, I went to LSU Medical Center uh, for graduate school and in pharmacology and experimental therapeutics, which was not pharmacy school. I was doing academic research, which I loved, but it, it involved live animals. 
So that part, not so much. Mm. So I, I left a PhD program with a master's degree and the actual, the job prospects were a little bit better actually mm. than if I had stayed. <laughs> I, uh, I had taken a C programming class. So this is really going to age. used to analyze, <laughs> analyze our study results on SAS on a mainframe. Yeah. So I took this programming class that the director of uh, computer services at LSU taught. And when they found out that I was leaving with the master's degree, they called me and said, hey, could we interest you in at least talking to us about a job? So, you know, it's just some time. I have you know, nothing to lose at this point. So they hired me to work with the School of Nursing there at LSU, rolling out Windows 98 desktops and then teaching the faculty how to use them because they had been sharing mainframe terminals in, a, in conference rooms for like TSO mail. Yeah. So I spent a little bit doing that. The senior IT admin there was very patient. He taught me a lot about hardware, you know, running Cat5 cable. The, I can't remember the order anymore, but we used to do the punch downs and the, you know, I'm crimping the cables and we put together yeah. tabs and all that. So two years later, I moved to Dallas from New Orleans. You know, when you grow up in Texas, they sort of compel you to move back. <laughs> the, the recruiter I was working with said, do you want to go for an interview at Microsoft? Um, I think I had applied for Outlook support because that's what I had been supporting large, uh, for a large extent. And I thought, well, sure, why not? So we've already filled the Outlook class but they're hiring for windows but well it's interview experience i have nothing to lose right so i so i did she called me the next day and said you know could you start on this day and i remember holding my you know my phone at the time and i was like did she call the right person right yeah and so I started at microsoft as part of a contractor class supporting the launch of windows 2000 Nice. Scary, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I felt that like a an imposter, right? Imposter syndrome. I didn't know the word, the yeah condition yeah. then, but it's like I'm not really one of you all. Right? But nine months later, uh, actually no, it was almost exactly a year to the day I started as a vendor on December thirteenth, ninety nine. My FTE date was. December 4th of 2000, so almost exactly wow. a year, supporting yeah. small business server. Mm. So that was interesting. Uh, every At the time, I think it was every enterprise product Microsoft had that ran on a single box, yeah. except SQL, right? Which SQL was included, but it, you didn't have to install it on that same server. Right. So I learned quite a bit, you know, yeah. the whole thing, every, we all supported all of the things. I did that for six years, I guess. Wow, that seems like another lifetime. <laughs> so I'm, I made that's how I made the transition to, to Microsoft. It, it turned out that the science, my science background, made me pretty good at troubleshooting. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. That's wonderful. And so 20 years and you did some some hairy hours and long hours and lots of you know lots of stories to tell yes. and i understand that there's some proprietary stuff you can't share but you know generally speaking uh what was your experience at microsoft 
I guess the, the biggest thing to me is the pride of being part of, of the things that Microsoft does. When the pandemic hit and I read that they were buying um, lunch or yeah. lunch products from their local vendors that had been supplying the cafeteria to make uh, home lunches for the children who relied on schools for meals. You know, I was like, this is my Microsoft, right? I'm very proud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so, speaking of, I I think you lived through um, all the three CEOs of Microsoft. Is that right? I I can't remember if Bill was still the CEO or if he had started stepping down. Okay. But I think there was some overlap, at least when I was a vendor, he was still there. Right. So. Right. So. I know that Microsoft itself went through, and I don't want this to be a Microsoft podcast. I really want it to be a Michelle podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, what was your experience starting out all all those years ago, 2000, and till today? What were some of the hardest times, and what were the struggles going through? You mentioned imposter syndrome. I'd love for you to speak a little more about that and then also, you know, going forward, um, what were some of the struggles aside from that? Well, when the vendors, the vendor classes that they hired to support Windows, there were 60 across two sites, so across Texas, the Las Colinas site and the Charlotte site. Um, there were two women. Wow. Two out of 60. Right. One in Texas, one in Charlotte, so we weren't even co-located. So that was, um, you know, a, a bit, not, I want to say uncomfortable, because having always been in, interested in science, I was semi-used to it, but it was a little more dramatic. Yeah. Um, customers weren't always that friendly. Uh, yes, I'm waiting to talk to the engineer. Yes. One guy said, I've never talked to a woman in tech support before, and I was like, okay. I'll put you back into the queue. You can hope you get a guy next time. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I'm good. Okay, well, now we can work on your, your issue. Yeah, so yeah. Some things like your that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I only had like two years experience to the point where I started. So that was a, uh, made some things harder. Um, yeah. than feeling like everyone else knows more than me, whether it was true or not. You know, maybe. do you think that was true, or is it just something that you were experiencing? I think in some areas it was true. I had done more with with Exchange than most of the people, so there were questions that would come up with on SPS. You know, particularly I had worked with Exchange, and not everyone had. Right. I think there were five of us from that vendor previous vendor class that started together on SBS. So not all of those guys had worked with Exchange. Um, yeah. So a few things like that. So it, but it took a while for me to realize that maybe two years. Wow. You know, before yeah. you came to the realization, uh, I'm, I'm writing, you know, articles or the solution objects and things and people are using these um, to resolve cases. And it's like, okay, so maybe, maybe not quite as bad as I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what were some of the other challenges? 
the hours, right? The when you're in support, you own a case, yeah. right? Until the customer, you can negotiate with the customer at this time to go. So, um, not being sort of you know in control of your own destiny day yeah. after day was a struggle. And then it's a company of high performers, which yeah. is great, you know, to an extent. <laughs> but there's the the old some of the old um, review you know models were a little bit um, I'll just say they didn't uh, encourage teamwork you know mm. uniformly yeah so that was challenging when yeah. you know, so, so that I, and in my experience that was universally the culture competition and you know pitting mm -hmm. people against each other and it has improved in my opinion and in my experience uh, how do you feel about that? It's improved considerably. There are still pockets of the old guard that, and so there's still some of that old mentality. We can't both be successful. Right. Right. Got it. And and so as you became more experienced and sort of a peer, I mean. By the time I met you, you were a PM, correct? I did uh, support. I think I think it was ten years. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm after being a training lead for one of the beta releases. I applied for that that role of the the readiness program manager for the product area that I supported. So I moved to a PM role. I did that for five years, and then I moved to supportability. Yeah. Sorry, time is broken for me right now, so I can't, I don't remember, let's see exactly. And it doesn't have to be. I just, you know, I'm trying more to understand, you know, not only your struggles, but your triumphs as you're moving through your career, because I want our audiences to kind of relate to that, right? Here you are not even a computer sci, uh, comp sci major, you know, thinking you were going to, to go into medical field and feeling like an imposter day one and, you know, you're running things now. The awareness that, you know, um, just the regular experience that I had, you know, day to day, you know, life gave me, you know, insights into some things that were happening or how to talk to a customer, you know, um, at one point, I think, so it's so hard to know, you know, I, I was in the, the top rated, you know, customer sat um, platforms engineers. Right. right. And a lot of that was uh, just determination. You find the answers. Nobody has all, not all of the answers are in, you know, the knowledge base. So you spend a lot of time searching and reading and you don't have to necessarily have a ton of experience in computer science. You just have to be able, you know, to read, make some notes, and talk to people. Right, right. Not yeah. to uh, oversimplify, right? You know, skills, but I, you don't have to be, you know, a coder to be able, you know, to troubleshoot. Right. Got it, got it. So you bring up a great point that, you know, I, I, as you know, I volunteer for TEALS. I teach a computer science class for high schoolers. And I think that there's this pre prevalent 
feeling that in order to have a brilliant technology career, you have to code. And that's not the case. No, I'm not so, a at all. Yeah. I don't think like one. I think that actually helped me in support. I could talk to customers. Um, it helped me in my support supportability role to see the customer pain right from a different perspective and not as a developer because they frequently don't use the product the way that customers do or what they have in mind is not the way customers actually use it and being able to translate a customer experience or their pain you know that story into something that developers understand you know served me well and i don't know that if, if everybody was a coder you know the products would not be very friendly yeah yeah yeah, I agree with you. I remember when I was just a coder, right? Just writing code all day. I would spend maybe four days working on a problem and do a demo to the customer and they'd be kind of like tepid about it saying, oh yeah, that's nice. And then on other occasions, I would make a tiny little change that took me literally 10 minutes to make. And people would be like fawning over me saying, oh, that was such a great thing. And I would, it was just, you know, like my idea of what's hard work and rewarding was so not aligned with what their <laughs> perception was. And it was both frustrating and enlightening <laughs> at the same time, you know, so that's mm -hmm. interesting. So moving from struggles and you did share quite a few and, um, you know, you, you've had a, an amazing career. I'd love to hear, like, what's the positive of being who you are? You know, woman in technology. You, we touched a little bit about not being a coder is a positive, not a negative. But I'd love for you to share more about that. Having empathy for customers. Yeah. Um, or the ability, you know, to appreciate their perspective and to um, relay what their what their complaint is, you know, in a way that makes sense to you know both sides. Okay, I understand this does not work for you, um, right. and these are the reasons. So yeah. here's what I'm going to do, right, to follow up on that. Um, just. I think women tend to do that better. It's not universal, right? yeah. of course, but generally, I think we tend to be better negotiators or peacemakers. And that can that has helped me in many situations, not just in support, but de-escalate situations. Right. Yeah. 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 And you worked with the um, the security team at Microsoft. So I, and without going into any confidential uh, information or, or I'll get chastised, but um, can you share some situations where you were able to use your, you know, the Michelle charm to achieve more than say a highly technical person might have? So, and I'm not saying you're not highly technical. But, uh, <laughs> no, I understand. I just heard myself and I was like, that sounds not good. <laughs> it's fair. I think I said something similar a minute ago. So I worked with the detection and response team as a program manager for, I think it was two years. I actually, I translate that to 14 dart years. 
Right. Uh, so everybody's customer typically had an emergency or a perceived emergency. So talking to you know CEOs or CTOs on possibly the worst day of their professional careers. Yeah. Right? So you had to be careful how you said things. Um, you don't want to sound like you're talking down to them or you know, also don't want to incite panic, right? <laughs> right. Or over promise what can be done, right? All of those things are are not. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to take a second here to just share the the dart team. <laughs> that is the first, you know, the first call. And you know what you said is so profound talking to a CTO on their the worst day of their career. So this is the response team that responds when somebody's gotten hacked or there's a ransomware or something terrible. So this is always you leading the effort, having conversations on people's worst days. So let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this podcast, that is not an easy job. So. Yeah, and balancing uh, the uh, the members of their account teams too, such as the CSAMs or um, I can't think of the other terms for the people that you know manage the accounts. Specialists and right. executives and yeah. Everybody is you know my customer, right? We've got help my customer. I'm you know we're going to escalate. Right? So handling that, especially through some of the solar winds. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, was challenging but <laughs> it's like okay uh, yeah. do what you need to but this is still when we can help you right yeah. thank you yeah it's it's not funny yet but i think that in five more years you'll be telling the stories of <laughs> when right. when you'll survive solar winds <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so um so so going back to what is the good part of it what what was the good that came out of it for you michelle we were talking about what's the good good that came out of some of your harrowing experiences <laughs> the the impact like yeah. the ability to help people that feels really good uh, or you know spending like an hour digging through a log file this there's the answer you know found yeah. it uh, with SBS, that was very rewarding. The small business customers, their whole lives were in their exchange. So recovering the database felt really good and they were very appreciative. But one of my favorite stories is from Dart. Yeah. Uh, literally, you know, contributing to saving lives. And the reason I'm going to say share that who the customer was, was because they went to the media themselves yeah. and shared. So the government of Nunavut, Canada, they're near the Arctic Circle. They were hit with ransomware. Um, I think 70% of the population is indigenous. There's a large percent of the population getting public assistance. Their first responders to medical services were all digital. Uh, there are no roads leading there. Um, yeah. Everything was, you know, voice over IP. They were down to using like fax machines and things back. Um, so they, the, everything, they were bricked. Yeah. So within an hour of that call coming into DART, we had volunteers on the way. You know, we had them en route, it was like 16 hours, I think, to get there. Yeah. 
arranging for them, you know, helping arrange for them to have hotel space and, and all of that, because there's there was one hotel in Nunavut. There are no roads, so if they have to go to another place, you know, that means flying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it was in uh, October or November, so it was winter. Yeah. And we helped get them back online. They were great to work with also. They're yeah. Restore essential services in winter. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was extremely rewarding to know that I contributed to that effort. That That's a beautiful story. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you know, these those are the days that make life worth, you know, the, the work that we do make it worth living. And there's there's a lot of long, long hours and whatnot. But, you know, what an amazing story. So I want to ask you if I had to ask people, like, what would be your advice to young women starting out today? What to do, what not to do based on your own experience? Well, first, be open to a different path. Mm. Um, if I had tried to, you know, narr- keep the same, you know, thing I wanted to, to pursue right from the beginning, I would have missed a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And I think I've been far happier in uh, tech than I would have been right? if I have a bad day, you know, outside of something like Nunavut. <laughs> You know, somebody rebuilds a server or it takes an extra day to recover, you know, email or something. Nobody dies. Right, right. Yeah. I don't think that that would have been sustainable for me. Yeah. Would have, the, the toll would have been too high. Yeah. So, um, so be open to opportunities that may come your way. Taking a different path, you don't have to do get to the where you want to go the same way that somebody else did. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's wonderful. Um, so, um, how would somebody go about knowing what they want to do in tech? That's harder. Is it changes so fast? There, there's so many changes. One, I I mentor. Right, find a mentor. You know, there are many people who I think would, are willing. Everybody's willing to tell you, I think, about their experience if you ask them. Right. Um, so talk to as many people as you can. Uh, network with people and read, right? Read about the technologies, what what piques your interest. You know, look for the things that interest you. It's like, well, I don't want to be a coder. Well, well um, I think... The last time that I checked, Microsoft had like 160,000 employees worldwide. I don't know what percentage of them are coders, but I bet it's not even half. Right, right. There yeah. are lots. Yeah. And, and, you know, growing up, did you think <clears throat> you would be here, what, you, what you're doing right now? And what would you say to like your 20-year or 13-year-old self? Uh, we did learn basic at the, the school I was going to starting, I think it was the fourth grade, maybe the fifth grade. Okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't hard for me. I could, you know, see how it went. Uh, uh, the patterns and things made sense to me. Yeah. Right? 
had a Commodore VIC-20, I think. Nice. With that. But uh, after that, um, there was a gap in the school system where there weren't there was no access to computers. So I would tell my you know 11 or 12 year old self like still do that right keep keep doing that um, and um, and to be more open like I was only interested in like the life sciences you know biology some chemistry you know the psychology those things were very interesting to me so yeah. I would tell my um, self my freshman college self you know to be more um, open to other you know other fields and interests and not right. be so narrowly focused yeah yeah no that's that's great advice and also it's it's the the field is muddier today than it was when we started out right uh, I think that there were only so many things you could do, but there's more um, opportunity, but there's also more choices. Right. So what what would you what would your recommendation would be to young women who are looking into a technical career? Well, one, I think you need to know what you are interested in. If you force, you know, like support, it was rewarding. I knew it was something I didn't want to do forever. Right. But I still like talking to people and I liked the the impact of fixing the problems. So um, eventually moving to supportability was, you know, that same ability, but I didn't you know, um, wasn't talking to end customers directly. There is right. a bit of stress for that because people typically don't call support to say how much they like your product or your company. Right. So, right. so that that was stress and a bit. You know, um, if you're weak willed, I guess it can really start to impact, you know, your your perceptions. Right. And it, it there is a toll for that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but know what you like. Right. What what rewards you? What what you know flavor of technology? What is really interesting to you? What makes you happy? There, whatever it is, I can guarantee there's a way to cross that with tech. Right. Yeah. So, but you have to. You're gonna have to read. You have to talk to people, and really be honest with yourself about what you like to do. Right. But also you be willing to work towards it because you're not going to get your dream job typically right away. It's something to work towards. I need this experience to get there. So that requires this knowledge. So I need to do these things to move in that direction. It's it's a journey and it will stay a journey always because of how fast things change. So you always will need to be mindful of your journey. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think that being open, being open to pivot and learning new things, because I think that that's one of the things that in your case, you you kind of went from, you know, the, the whole bio space to tech support, just because that's what was available to you and it wouldn't have, I mean, you, you may not have predicted your career today, right, back then. 
but you were open and you were willing to take a chance and then you found what you liked about it and what you didn't and then you pivoted based on that and i think that is a pattern that i see with a lot of people who are just yes to something and then they created what they created from there right so i think that that's that's a great uh, great learning so thank you for that uh, any parting wisdom you want to share with our listeners you mentioned the learning that yeah. embrace lifetime of being a lifelong learner right that that's a thing yeah right? um, uh, but also, uh, especially for younger women, I would tell my younger self, be nicer to you. Mm. Right? They're going to be missteps or things, mistakes that you make. Figure out what you need to, to move past that. Like, how do I resolve that? Right? And then, yeah. then do it and move on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I do want to bring up and we, we talked, we started with this, you talked about the imposter sy syndrome. Do you feel like an imposter still or, or are you over it? <laughs> I think I'm over it now. <laughs> okay, all right. And I've talked to a lot of people knowing what it's called, like, right, I think, I don't know how long it took before I, I kept thinking someone's going to tap, tap me on the shoulder. You don't really belong here. But finding out I'm not the only one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that way I am contributing. Right. Right here. Oh, that's my name. That's linked. That case was linked to what I wrote. Right. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. finding out that men have that too, because then I thought it was only women. And then, you know, they're successful people. Everybody has had that at some point. So be nicer to yourself. Yeah, and that's what reminded me, and that's such a great, great, great quote. Be nice to yourself. I mean, that's, you know, when I talk to my daughter, I often tell her, hey, be nice to my daughter. <laughs> Just a fair. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think sometimes, especially us women, we can be hard on our own selves more than anybody else. So, so that's such a wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining me this wonderful afternoon. And it's always good to see your face. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for, for inviting me to, to have this discussion with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for listening. Please like this episode and share it with someone you think that'll enjoy it. And do reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. And also, if you would like to, please join my newsletter by visiting www.barkaherman.com. Thank you.